Hey there, Earth Angels. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. And I am your other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. No, because we are explorers with integrity. And we're not going to pretend. We're not going to front like we have all the answers because anybody that says they have all the answers is lying to themselves. Perchance a cult leader. I mean, I just applied to this 10-day oh, yeah, silent yeah. meditation <laughs> retreat. You might know of it. You might have gone to a Vipassana retreat. I was really kind of looking forward to it. Uh, and one of the questions they ask you on the like application form is, do you practice or teach any energy healing techniques? And I was like, yeah, how much time you got? <laughs> You're like, that's my life. So I just wrote down like, yes, I like teach astrology and tarot and a particular form of breath work that is a type of energy healing. And I didn't go into like other details. So I get this email back from them and it says, we see that you are an energy healer and that you teach these techniques. We also saw on your business website that you practice Reiki and work with crystals. And I was like, okay, so they stalked me. And they were like, you are allowed to come and do the 10-day meditation retreat so long as you promise to suspend practicing any of these techniques while you are participating in the retreat. And I was like, okay, like, that's fine. Like, Can I interject, though? Why? I don't know. What, yeah, but in your mind, <laughs> or why do, are they, what are they afraid is going to happen well, I, if I, you're... I think they're trying to express the purity of a certain technique, which I understand. And so they don't want you to like mix modalities because it might get in the way of whatever that one technique is supposed to endow, which I get. Like if you're right, they don't want your amethyst fucking with their frequency. Totally fine. So I was like, uh, so I'm reading this email. And I'm like, okay. Also, I should just say, like, the spelling and the grammar in this email is atrocious. Like they spelled astrology without the a. Oh. So it's just astrology. And I was like, the library is okay. open. Well, here. listen. <laughs> She's a grammar queen. I'm an Aquarius with three planets in Aquarius. If you're going to write me an email, please at least use some proper syntax. That's all I'm going to say. Continue, Ms. Grammar. Okay, we well, look. Angel uses too many commas. I don't use enough. I'm not a purist here. But if you misspell words and you're in a professional manner, and any event, let me continue here. So then the email goes on to say, you are still more than welcome to come for this one time. But if you were wanting to come back for another session, you would have to suspend teaching or practicing these techniques forever. So I'm like, what? Your end game is that I no longer practice Reiki or working with crystals or energy healing. I was like, this feels very controlling. So I'm not going to go. Because it kind of feels a little bit like a cult. A well-meaning cult, you know, where they feed you for free. <laughs> and they just want you to meditate in silence their way of doing it. Oh, yeah. We stand a well-meaning cult. No, but I'm just saying, you know, it's not like they're like trying to get you. To, I hear what you mean. No, you know, like totally. they're not making money off of you, right? Because the retreat is yet, bitch. donation only. I just thought that was uh, that was pretty wild. All right. Well, I found all of that very fascinating. And um, I don't know. I'm intrigued. I'm curious. As to why they had their qualms over your practices, but um, I'm grateful you're just letting it go. (laughs) 
Well, you know, you got to trust your gut. And when I read that email, I was like, I don't have a good feeling about this. And I know people that have done it and, yeah, and have loved it and swear by it. And I'm not coming for you if you have by any means. But for me, getting that email and just feeling the like amount of control, I just wasn't here for it. Because my whole thing on spirituality is being your own spiritual authority and trusting your own experiences with the divine to help you build your own cosmology and understand for yourself how it is that you want to practice spirituality. So whenever somebody shows up and says, this is the way, I always get a little, uh, the hairs on my arm stand up. For sure. We've also worked really hard in cultivating your practice in all of these modalities. It's unfortunate that they would feel the need to like almost have you just kind of divorce yourself from you know, practices that you, from your beliefs and yeah. your work. Well, just like how do you how do you integrate in your own way? But I get it. I get like they're trying to teach you something very specific and they don't want you to get confused and to kind of muddy the waters, which is fine for the 10 days at which you are in the retreat. Yeah. When they show their hand that they are actually angling for you to stop all of these practices completely, that like there's only one true road to enlightenment and that's Vipassana, that's when I go, huh? Yeah. So if you come to the Spiritual Gaze Retreat, please suspend all of your practices. Don't bring your crystals. Yes. No, come to the Spiritual Gaze Retreat and bring it all. Bring it all. We will give you new names. Just so you know. Yeah, but only for the four days. <laughs> four days. Now, if you want to come back to another spiritual you, gaze retreat, you uh, have to use that name we gave you. Exactly. You are Crystal Singing Bowl. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a beautiful that's name. That's a great drag name. Oh, my God. Crystal Singing Bowl. <laughs> I love that name. Uh, I meet her. Speaking of names, we haven't fully introduced ourselves Oh, yet. right. Who are these crazy homosexuals? Well, I'm Brandon Alter. I am a queer spiritual healer. I'm an astrologer and a tarot reader, and I teach all of these things, and I'm not going to stop teaching these things, Vipassana, okay? You shouldn't. I'm also a writer, a songwriter, and a performer, and a poet. Mm. Yeah. Don't you know it? And I'm Angel Lopez. I am a writer, a producer of multiple things, an astrologer, a queeler, healer, teacher, and guide for others through the cosmos. And I want to say one more thing about this whole Vipassana situation, just because I think it is an interesting teachable moment, which is that it is really tempting to abandon your practices in search of the new shinier practice. I think that's something we all experience. Like we're with tarot for a while and then we get tired of it and then we're like, well, what else is there? But I think there is something to be said for depth and continuing to go back to the same practice, even when it feels boring, even when it doesn't feel like it's entirely working, because then you kind of break through to another level of understanding. Well, yeah, and I think that's with every practice, right? That's me and my writing. I'm sure you and your songwriting, you know, every practice that we devote ourselves to, I think, comes with its like moments of, all right, you know what? I'm kind of done here. Yeah. I don't really want to go that much further. But then once you continue to force yourself to do it, you find yourself entering like a deeper level of understanding. Yeah. And there is no one true practice. There are as many spiritual practices as there are people on this planet and maybe even more. So if you're looking for just one way, somebody's going to take advantage of you. Yeah. And never surrender your own personal and spiritual authority. No, gracias. Even if they're going to give you free meals 
and free room and board out in the desert. Now, were there reviews on the food? I mean, actually, pretty good. Oh, well, then but maybe, also, maybe but also, it. there are some there are like some some horror stories, honestly. Oh, and people that have had an amazing experience. All right, well. Let's leave it at that. I would be super curious to, <laughs> if you've done a 10 day Vipassana meditation <laughs> retreat, I'd be curious. And you still practice Reiki or working with crystals. I'd be curious. Maybe you have some inside scoop into why they were really coming for me so hard. I was mostly just creeped out that they like did some online stalking of me and like found my uh, yeah. webpage and things of that nature. Because then I was like, well, then I'm going to go and they're going to like red flag me and they're going to be like, this is the spiritual teacher that we have to break from all of his spiritual practices. Oh my God. And then you will become the Leah Remini of Vipassana. Oh my gosh. Inside Vipassana with Brandonna Summer. <laughs> All right. Should we check in? Uh, sure. Why don't you Why don't you start, <laughs> sweet baby? Let's see. Well, I'm a bit of a hot mess today. Tell me more. On this day we're recording. It is Aries season. It is. Yes. We are, at, as we record this, it is zero degrees Aries season. Is it zero or is it one? I think it's still at the very end stage of zero, but it could have shifted to one since I woke up and looked at my ephemeris. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, it just did tick over to one. It's on my ascendant. So we are at one degrees Aries right now. Honestly, I just had like a shit night of sleep, but I think it's because I might have stayed up a little too late reading. I'm reading Harvey Firestein's memoir, which is phenomenal already. I'm so excited. The last chapter I read was um, about how he gave Anais Nin a tarot reading. But it ended up being this whole like psychic reading where he just saw like a vision and gave it to her and sh- she completely connected to it. It was really fabulous. He was also like 10 years old. But then I think I just had a bunch of anxiety because I have this like doctor's appointment today and I have to go to a meeting. I just have a very busy day today. And I think I just had a lot of anxiety around it. And, and it's Monday and the moon's in Scorpio. Yeah. I just haven't had one of those nights though where it was like lying in bed, just thinking about things interspersed with like weird i want to say like pg-13 nightmare streams like they weren't like scary scary they were animated they were not animated you know they were just like buffy the vampire slayer style yeah but not even there weren't like monsters it was just like you know me running late for things or me with people I don't necessarily enjoy being around. And like so just a lot of your being life. Being in there. <laughs> so rude. <laughs> um, you know, just shit. Yeah. I don't know about y'all, though. My dreams have been crazy. No, I know you were telling recently. me that. Just like so intense. And it feels like from the minute I fall asleep to the minute I wake up, I am just like dreaming nonstop, which is not usually... I've heard that from a few people. My status quo. I just think it's all this Pisces. For sure. It's all this Mercury, Jupiter, Neptune, Pisces. Yeah. So yeah, I'm anxious to get Mercury into Aries. Though that just makes it live in my 12th house, but I feel like that's better for me. Got I'm it. more in tune with what's going on as opposed to just kind of tapping into like collective craziness. Hmm. But but beyond that, I mean, I have like exciting stuff going on work-wise. I have these two... TV development projects that I've been working on for a while now and now they're like becoming much more legit with like very real people on board them now and it's just very exciting. I'm yeah. feeling very excited about the work. I actually had like a couple full days where I just got to like sit and like feel like a writer without doing other things which 
just makes me happy. And you have a you have a pretty big solar return coming up very I have shortly. A really big solar return coming up, and I'm just like hopeful that I get to have the festivities that I want to have for them. That the world will not cave in on itself before they come. Angel's birthday is March 29th, so just put that in your calendar <laughs> and wish him a very happy 45th birthday. I'll just put that shit on blast. I mean, let's be real. Let's come out of the closet about our age. 45. And I'm 63. <laughs> and Noche is 107. And we look great. No, we do. Um, But yeah. I don't know if I'm... I don't think I'm having... I think I am having anxiety around it a little, but not necessarily around like oh my god i can't believe i'm 45 it's i think more of like what comes with it that i'm anxious about but i'm excited for your midlife crisis yeah yeah we're gonna get in process we're gonna get angels we're gonna get angels ears pierced yes you say it like i'm a child i know well we're taking angel to we're taking angel to to claire's Claire's. (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna buy some cute hoops from wet seal yes no we're gonna go to like a good legit place and and I'm going to get my ears pierced as well. Yeah. I'm going to get a second hole. So if anyone else is looking to get their ears pierced in the Los Angeles area. Come join us. Come we'll make a party out of it. Festivities. Let us know. Yeah. Um, but We're yeah. going to do it early April when the moon's in Taurus. Yes. Yes, we are. But uh, But yeah, all is well, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know. Still, I think, like, upset about the world and everything going on with it, but trying to stay focused on the work I have in front of me, what I can be contributing to society, to culture, to the people, to the energy, as best I can. That's all you can do. But anyhow, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. I mean, I never love a Scorpio moon day because it hits all my hard planets. It kisses Pluto and then my south node and then Saturn. So Scorpio moons are always a little challenging for me. (laughs) But I had a lovely weekend. I went out to the desert with my friend Kumbi, who you may know because we had a spirit talk with her maybe one or two years ago. She's an amazing yogi and a close friend. And we went out to do this course, this five-hour course in the desert that was called Edible and Medicinal Plants of the Sonoran Desert with this really interesting human named Telur Fenner who has the Blue Wind School of Botany. And he just drives around the country teaching people about what plants you can eat and make medicines out of and what plants will kill you. Uh, And so we spent five hours in the desert, in Palm Desert, actually, uh, east of Palm Springs. We saw a bighorn sheep, which felt very like here comes airy season, Uh, and got to meet some new people and just be outside in my happy place. And the day before that, we went on an amazing hike in the Pioneer Town Mountains Preserve. And I just forgot how much I need to like drive out to the desert every other week or so and just like be in unobstructed sprawling landscapes because I just feel like even here where we live which is quiet and peaceful and connected to nature there's something about just like getting out into it and I felt like my emotions were able to catch up with me and I was able to kind of process some things and integrate some things and just feel like cleansed in a spiritual way uh, just by like getting out into nature. And it was interesting because we were talking with Talur after the class and he was saying how there's just something about bringing people out into nature because all of his classes are happening out, you know, in 
wilderness. And he said, you just get a different version of these people. And it's so true. Like, you are a different version of yourself when you're out in nature, in some ways closer to yourself, and there's less fronting and pretending and also just like less comfort to some degree because you're probably not going to like walk around with your Louis Vuitton bag for five hours in the desert you know like you're worried about the sun and about having enough water and so it was just a good reminder and so I'm feeling I'm feeling uh like I had a little adventure good which is important for my Aries planets they need to feel like they have adventures and I haven't been able to have many adventures has anyone really for the last couple years so so that was good well good baby boo I'm glad. Maybe we'll get some hiking in on our trip out to Palm Springs that we're doing this week. Probably not. It's going to be so hot. Oh, yeah. I did see the weather. It's going to be very warm. But if we wake up super early. Yeah. Maybe. That could be fun. Yeah. I'd be down. Um, I can point out some of the plants that I learned about. Yes. All right. Well, I think that's a, a good check-in. Yeah. Our deep dive today, just to tease it, um, we want to look at the the chart for the spring equinox, the Aries ingress, you know, when the sun moves into Aries. And the reason why we want to do this, because you're probably thinking like, well, it already happened, so why should I care? Is because you look at the chart, and that is actually a divinatory tool to help you understand what are the energies that are going to be at play all year. Yeah. So this is like a pretty classic technique that you look at the spring equinox chart and it kind of gives you a glimpse into what will unfold for the year. And so we thought it might be fun to kind of break that apart one bit at a time. Yeah, it's kind of like a macro solar return chart. Oh, yeah. yeah for everyone, which I've been thinking we should do a episode on solar returns too. We yeah, before. we totally should. But yeah, so we'll get into that. But before we do, let's just kind of break it up a little bit. And dive into a little dose of, of reality. reality. We have not stopped watching reality television, gazers. No. Don't think we have. We need breaks from reality reality. So we tune into things um, where people are thrust into situations and forced to bring out the most extreme version of themselves. And we can't get enough. <laughs> and we know some of you can't either. We know some of you could care less. So, so you can scooch fast forward. forward. <laughs> but we're not going to dig too deep because in all honesty, we actually have kind of pulled back to some degree. Like we broke up with Below Deck. We broke up. Like we both felt just good about it. Though, of course, now we might want to watch the Below Deck Down Under. No, I don't need it. I don't know. I feel like you're going to want to like practice your... Australian accent. I know. It has been a while. It's been a while. But we don't need to rush into that. Well, you know, we are deep into a couple things. One, we are very still much on top of RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. Even though there's more Drag Race than you have time to watch, we still watch so much more. Almost all of it. España starts this week. Can't wait. It's my favorite. Yeah. Then the second season starts this week. Can't wait. watch Drag Race España and you can find a way to do it. Do it. What I love about having to watch Drag Race España is that you have to watch it because those queens talk so fast and you have to read the subtitles that you really have to be fully engaged. It's not one of those things that you can watch while doing other things. You have to be fully enmeshed in that world. And it's a world that I'm obsessed with. Yeah, and the host is great, and the judges are great. It's really fun. There's just a lot of heart, and there's no RuPaul, which is not to say that we don't love RuPaul, because goddess knows we do. Yeah. But it's nice just to have another spin on the franchise. I agree. But I feel like this season, though it's been going on, it feels like, for the last four years, 
because they seem to refuse to eliminate anybody anybody, uh, or they find really good reasons not to. Uh, I really enjoyed it because I feel like I've actually gotten to know them a lot better. Yeah, there's a depth. Yeah, like I actually care more about all of them to some degree. I mean, there's a couple exceptions. But, you know, for the most part, like I really enjoy all of them. Like I'm a little like I get my my stakes are upped when we get to the elimination part because I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to lose that person. Yeah. Not only are there a lot of talented queens, but even more so, I think there's a lot of just like beautiful, big hearted queens. And so you want them to just get to stay on longer because you're like emotionally invested in them as people. Uh even if they're not like the best drag queen you've ever seen. Yeah. There's also been an amazing amount of trans representation this season. Huge. I don't think it was purposefully so. No. But just seeing like how beautifully open a lot of these queens have been to their experience around gender um, is so just like so touching to watch yeah. and really insightful. Yeah, and inspiring. It's so inspiring. I think there's five trans queens this season. Perhaps, yeah. Which is just amazing. Yeah. So quick, who are your top three right now? Well, pick. I mean, I just love Willow Pill so much because who doesn't love Willow Pill? I think yeah. everyone just loves Willow Pill so much. Yes, also in my top. Um, and then after watching the Lollapurooza. Oh, yes. And Jiria, whom I'd loved from the beginning, really kind of, like, she just has a, she has a presence. Oh, my God, yeah. She has, like, a real, I don't know, like, she's, like, her roots grow very deep, and she can just serve it. Yeah. And then... She might be the one to beat in my eyes. Yeah. And then, I guess, while I fucking love Bosco... Yes. I think it's Lady Camden for me. Well... I think it's good to have a top four because it tends to always be a top four. Okay. So, yeah. So, Bosco, but then Lady Camden. I just think Lady Camden is so freaking talented. Yeah. And just so lovely. I just think she's so lovely. An amazing performer. An amazing performer. And I love her looks and is very unique. I don't feel like we've seen her type of drag in a long time or ever. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's very unique to her. Yeah. She has the most... Like amazing transformation from yeah <laughs> from just in like, drag to out of drag yeah from in drag to out of drag I'm always just like blown away blown by away how much they blossom yeah on that stage it's like it's Tilda amazing. Swinton out of drag Kylie Minogue in drag <laughs> that's well put yeah <sighs> yeah I'd say those are my top four as well this season I think so hoping they end up in the tops yeah and then we have. Somehow, well, I know how, thanks to our dear Shawnee. Our dear friend Shawnee. Our dear friend. Our only gazer that listens to this podcast. (laughs) Our one listener. Oh, stop. She is not. But our one who knows us well. Yeah, it's true. Who is like deep in our our family and um, has, I think, been like really subconsciously pushing us to watch The Real Housewives of Miami without, you know, without hitting us over the head with it. Yeah, it's true. So Shawnee came to visit us and we had a moment where we were going to dive right into the new season. But I really wanted to go back and watch it from the beginning. Because Angel likes to do his homework. I just like a character building. Yeah. Like I want to learn the full story from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, So we did. We went back and now we can't stop. 
It is phenomenal. Now, I think I had watched the first season. Yeah, I thought you had. But I don't remember watching a lot of it, probably because I was high. The same way I like will read books that I know I've read, but I was like high when I read them, yeah. and so nothing nothing was absorbed. And so it's like I'm reading it for the first time. Well, so, the first season you could have watched and kind of forgotten about it if you didn't, because it, it was like six episodes. Yeah. It was very like specifically structured and you may have been like all right i watched that and i don't need to go back but we are loving it so much i mean there's such a diversity in miami and yeah. they really bring it like they bring the drama they bring the glamour it's just like gorgeous and i do feel like we're seeing Stories that you don't always see in The Real Housewives. Like, there's actually a lot more involvement with charity, which is not... I mean, I know, like, in New York, they're always, like, going to those galas or whatever. Yeah, but they're not really actually, like, involved in putting them on. They're not. No. Um. So, and then there's there's this one character who is the mother of one of the housewives. So, Marisol's mother, oh. her name is Elsa. Mama Elsa. Mama Elsa, who's who's already famous, but we're late to the game here. Yeah. And she is like a full-on witch. She's a self-proclaimed witch. Yes. I'm a witch. I'm a witch. Um, she's amazing. She is so amazing. Yeah. God rest her. God rest her soul. I know. She left us a couple years ago. I'm trying to like develop a spiritual gaze saint candle line. I mean, mostly in jest, <laughs> yeah. but maybe one day it'll come true. And I always say to Angel, like, oh, can we make a saint candle out of her? So we definitely want to have a Mama Elsa saint candle and a Willow Pill saint candle. For sure. So far, these are the saint candles in the line. Yes, that we fantasize about. I wanted to have an Anna Delvey saint candle, and Angel said, that is not on brand. Yeah, it just seems a little off. And then he's not wrong. <laughs> but it was. I, it's an ironic saint candle. For sure, but still. It's a satanic candle. Okay. We can have a saint candle and a satanic candle oh line. Oh, my gosh. Um, I don't know if the Satanists want her either. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's been really entertaining, and I'm glad that we stumbled our way into it. And we were, like, just kind of wondering amongst ourselves, like, what happened to The Real Housewives of Miami, and why didn't it continue on? Now, granted, we haven't gotten into the third season yet, which was the last season until this like eight years passed and they rebooted it. So who knows? Maybe it all falls in on itself like this right. last season of New York did. But we're loving it. We think it's like so strong out of the gate. And we were just thinking like maybe some unconscious or even conscious racism. Yeah, there was, I'm sure, some sort of like bigotry involved in it, perhaps. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, we'll we'll come back to that. We'll revisit that topic yeah. once we've watched all of it. So like two weeks from now. Exactly. Um, but anyhow, so yeah, that's where we're at. But let us know your thoughts on Real Housewives of Miami or if there's anything we skipped out on that we haven't seen. Yeah, do you have a favorite? Do you have a least favorite? I love Marisol. I think Marisol might be my fave, even though I do love Adriana as well. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if I like her. And I like Lisa Hochstein. Yeah, I like Lisa. Lisa Hochstein has like a real sense of humor, I she's think. She's wild. Yeah, she's wild. All right, so speaking of wild, we have a really wild spring equinox chart to talk about. <laughs> Honeys, hold on to your hats, because it's not for the faint of heart. No. But you'll be glad to know now, because it'll prepare you for what's a coming. Yeah, so let's uh, just get into it with this episode's Deep Dive. Oh, wow. 
All right, so we're sitting here. We've got the chart for the spring equinox in front of us, and we are going to break it down bit by bit and see if we can practice a little bit of predictive astrology. Yes. And then, you know, we can come back next year and see how wrong we were. <laughs> now, again, this is like event-based astrology. So you can create a birth chart for anything, not just for the moment you were born, but for a business. You can literally cast a chart for like the date that you went on last weekend. And looking at the energies in the chart will help you understand why that date went so wrong or so right. <laughs> and so that's what we do with astrology. And it's probably the most practical usage of astrology is just to cast a chart for anything. Cast a chart for your Monday morning and you might get a chance to understand what your week is going to be like, you know? Because we look at astrological charts like seeds and in the chart is the potentiality for what wants to blossom, which is why a solar return chart shows you what wants to blossom for the year ahead. Right. Or your birth chart shows you what wants to blossom for your whole damn life, honey. Mm-hmm. So... Classically, we always look to the spring equinox. Why the spring equinox? Because that is the beginning of the astrological wheel. Zero degrees of Aries is the start. It's the initiation of the zodiac. So while some astrologers might cast a chart for January 1st and use that to look at what the year is going to be like, and that's not wrong. You can do that if you like. We really prefer to use the Aries ingress because it has a much more deep and robust history of being used. And so you literally cast the chart for the very moment, the second that the sun crosses from 29 degrees and 59 minutes of Pisces to zero degrees of Aries. Yeah, and this doesn't delete any of the astrology of 2022 that we've previously discussed or just, you know, the major transits that are going to occur because those are still going to happen. And there's timing, specific timing around those. Uh, with this chart, it's really giving us like, a great general essence. You know, it's almost like an overview of energy that's going on between now and the end of next year's Pisces season. Yeah. These are like the themes, the energies, the tenor, if you will. Yeah. And we do know a lot of you who listen are not in the Northern Hemisphere. So this isn't technically like spring equinox. It's your fall equinox. Exactly. But, first of all, we love you, you gorgeous Southern Hemisphere people. I know. I just love knowing that we have people who I know are in all of these interesting, deep parts of the world that we've never been. We want to hang out with you. So badly. But just know, this is true for you, too, because even though it's your fall equinox, it's still the Aries ingress. And ingress is just a fancy word for entering into. Yeah. So just think of this as a layout for the next 12 months of time. Yeah. Because we all work through the Zodiac the same, even if we're working through the seasons opposite. Right. Exactly. When we were looking at this earlier, you were pointing out just how, with the exception of the sun, every single planet has an aspect. Every planet is aspected. Nobody is left out of this chart party with the exception of the sun. Right. And that pretty much includes asteroids, like the major asteroids and the nodes, like yeah. Everyone's at play. To Everybody's some, at play part. except for the sun at zero degrees Aries, really not making any aspects uh, uh, to anyone. Now, we're using like a five degree orb 
just personally as we're looking at this and we're not dealing with out of sign aspects right right so you know like you could stretch it a little bit um if you wanted to say okay well maybe the sun is you know making an out of sign aspect to like black moon lilith or something like that but we're working with a strict five degree orb and they have to be in the same sign in order for it to be a true aspect just to make things clear in terms of like what we're actually going to talk about here yeah so yeah i think it was interesting angel even said it's like yeah the sun because the sun is unaspected, it's like setting the stage. The sun moves into Aries and is illuminating everything so that all the other planets get to show their points of view. Yeah, they're like the director. And it's like, curtain up. Here we go, kids. Yeah, I love that. Light the lights. So we're not going to talk about houses because where do you cast this chart from, right? Like we live in LA, but you might live in Melbourne, right? So we can't say what the rising sign for the year is, but you could cast this for yourself if you wanted to and figure out like what houses this falls into right. for yourself personally, yeah. uh, which is interesting if you know the houses um, and even to see like how it connects to your own birth chart. Yeah. But we're just going to be talking about the planets and the signs and the aspects they're making to each other. And then if you want to, you know, take an even deeper dive yourself, you're more than welcome to do so. Yeah, because I find a lot of astrologers will cast it for like Washington, D.C. But, but then that's so United States centric. Yeah, we're global, honey. Honey. And I'm tired of being United States centric, frankly. Okay, thank you. And I think the world is too. Like we're exhausted. Oh, they're very done. <laughs> as well they should be. Yeah, girl. Giving okay. Mickey Mouse his luggage, saying, pack up, bitch. So the moon, the moon is a very important factor for this chart. So the moon is 29 degrees of Libra. Now, last year, it was a Gemini moon, which makes sense, right? Wasn't last year heady as fuck? And there were two roads about it, and it was very divisive. I mean, what, I don't recall that part. Do you not recall that part? <laughs> <laughs> were you asleep for that I don't know what you're talking about you know Gemini and we love our Geminis but it's the sign of duality it's this or that it's either or now some Geminis can do both but most of the time we understand the division right and so last year was a year of course of like a lot of emotional division now Libra is also a sign of duality it's a sign of partnership trying to come together and so I really loved seeing that we have a 29 degree Libra moon for the Aries ingress chart because there's a suggestion that we're trying to come together or trying to seek harmony and balance and peace and 29 degrees of a sign is what's known as the anoretic degree and that means that essentially this is the fullest expression of the sign angel and i think of it as like the mastery so in some ways this yeah. chart is saying it's time for us all to be masters of our heart in libra in i think respecting other people's feelings you know gemini is a very me 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 sign Again, no offense to Geminis, who are maybe one of my favorite sign soulmates. But Libra's more concerned with the other. Like, you have a right to your feelings, too. Mm -hmm. And how can I, in my own way, sit in my heart and also allow for somebody else to have a different experience? Yeah, it's like the highest key of exchange, right? Yeah. So look, even like if you're in your own chart, you have any planets at 29 or even 28, those are planets that really want to come in and express the highest octave of that sign's energy. Yeah. So I was really excited to see that Libra moon because I was like, okay, diplomacy, you know, uh, beauty, Venus ruled. But did something else catch your eye when you were doing that? Looking looking to that moon? Mm-hmm. You mean, well, yes, I... 
that she's got a square to Pluto? So fuck. Here's the thing. Yes. Well, I was gonna. I was trying to ease everybody into that, but you're right. So she's got a square to Pluto. So I was like, 29 degrees. Oh, we just missed the Scorpio moon. Thank the goddess. <laughs> and then I was like, oh fuck, she's squaring Pluto. It's basically a Scorpio moon. Yeah, essentially. But it's not. However, a square to Pluto is one of the most challenging aspects in astrology because Pluto takes us into the depths. Pluto wants us to transform. Pluto is power and sometimes the abuse of power. And in a square to the moon, it's really hard because the moon is soft and it's sensitive and it's a Libra moon. So it wants things to be beautiful. It wants everybody to be happy and have cocktails and small bites. And Pluto shows up like a wrecking ball and is just like, no. Yeah, I feel like Pluto's the one who shows us that we're using our traumas to act out in harsh ways on other people. Do you know what I mean? Like Pluto's like, oh, honey, what you think is power is actually your trauma. And you're holding power over people based off your trauma, which is not true power. You know, it's just like tyrannical type of power. Oh my gosh, yeah. So I think that like on some level here, this is, oh, we have to get to the root of how we're exhibiting power and realize that it's all unexpressed trauma or yeah. healing around trauma. Yeah, the way I would just break it down kind of like nuts and bolts is Libra Moon, Square Pluto and Capricorn is a challenge around partnering with power. Mm-hmm. And so this whole year, whether that's global or personal, we're going to be challenged to partner with our power in high octave ways. I mean, I'm also looking at Pluto and Capricorn as just like the death of and the expression still of the patriarchy in all of its forms. Yeah. So it's like our Libra moon and Libras are also like generals. It's a cardinal air sign. So it is wanting to go out and it's wanting to conquer So our hearts are wanting to be these generals of peace and fairness and equity and equanimity. And we've got this Pluto and Capricorn figure that's still challenging us against, you know, the more beautiful world that we know in our hearts as possible. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Pluto is also like deep, heavy transformation. Yeah. Well, Pluto and Capricorn is also the fucking death of the patriarchy, which is what we're watching. Yeah. But it is also, I think, like the the transformation around the big picture, right? We were all had like a big picture of like what we thought we were heading towards or what we thought we were creating. And now we're recognizing that it it wasn't built on equal ground. Equal ground? Yeah. <laughs> equal footing. No, equal ground. <laughs> you know what I mean? For sure. So I think that's part of the Pluto uh, return that we're experiencing here in the United States. Um that we're recognizing that oh shit wasn't you know built equally for everyone what the fuck does that mean for what we thought we were building but on some level too now it's looking at that from a global perspective as well as just like internally right like the big dream i had for myself or i thought where i was heading was that actually like all from me Or did I build that dream for reasons unknown? Yeah, and I think we're going to continue to have a deeper and deeper unveiling of all of the inequality and inequities that are not just like rife through our own 
personal lives, like the privileges that we're unaware of, but we're going to see it played out on a larger, a larger scale. And I think in continuing to talk about this chart and talking about this moon, it's a Libra moon. So the moon is answering to Venus. And so Venus is currently in Aquarius and she is what's classically known as besieged. She is between Mars and Saturn. So Venus is in Aquarius, which isn't a sign that she doesn't like to be in necessarily. She's fine in Aquarius. She's kind of attracted to freak shows and eccentrics and it can kind of be fun. If you have Venus in Aquarius, you know, it's it's not a bad place for her to be. But she's, you know, separating from her conjunction with Mars. She's kind of tired of Mars's bullshit. But she's got the roadblock of Saturn ahead of her. So this isn't necessarily like the worst thing that could happen, but Venus isn't necessarily in a position of power. And so the way I interpret this is this Libra moon is looking to Venus, who's stuck between a rock and a hard place. Venus is stuck between Mars and Saturn in Aquarius, seeing all of these challenges within the collective Aquarius, within humanity, within the future. And Venus and Mars, I mean, they're they're two degrees, three degrees away from each other. So Venus, you know, she was with Mars for a lot, a lot of passion, and now she's separating, but they're still three degrees from each other. So there is still this kind of martial uh, aspect. Like I, I see Venus, and she's like walking home after like a really rough night with Mars and she's like holding her shoes in her hand and she's no longer with Mars. Like she's like, whew, like I'm never going to see him again. But she's still like in the aftermath of that feeling. Mm -hmm. She's in the aftermath of power potentially gone astray or maybe not. You know, maybe she had a really hot fucking sexy night with Mars and now she's like, oh, fuck, like I got a lot of work to do. And so that's Saturn ahead of us, right? Venus preparing for the work that has to be done. And so that colors this Libra moon. And that's why I think it's a 29 degree Libra moon. It's a Libra master. Mm -hmm. It's not like, let's just put some lipstick on it and pretend everything's okay. It's like, no, we need to make sure everything's okay from the inside out. Yeah. And then the last aspect that the moon makes is it makes a trine to Black Moon Lilith in Gemini. So we don't talk a lot about Black Moon Lilith. It's certainly a place we want to go more deeply this year. And we've got some potential uh, guests that will be able to illuminate Black Moon Lilith. But she is the repressed feminine to some degree. And so I think it's really interesting that this 29 degree Libra moon is squaring Pluto in Capricorn, which is maybe the patriarchy, and then trining Black Moon Lilith in Gemini, which is making personally conscious Gemini the repressed feminine in all of us. And so we'll see how that plays out. Answering to potentially a repressed Venus as well. Or maybe not repressed, but challenged. Yeah. And potentially feisty. You know, when Venus leaves Mars, she brings a little bit of Mars's feistiness with her. Yeah. Well, should we talk a little more about Mars, Venus, and their challenge? I think that's a great place to go. Yeah, because we've been talking about Mars and Venus. You know, they have been really like... Uh, hand in hand for the last like good month and a half almost you know having had two conjunctions in the past month uh, you know really I think trying to give action to what it is we're valuing right now what it is we're trying to value what really matters to us um, so with that trying to release also the things that don't really matter to us so here's Mars and Venus, and like you said, even moving towards Saturn, who is work. Now let's take all the values and really put them to work. Here's all the things you wanted to get going because you care about them. 
Now we have to actually really do the work around them. And I think it's also very relational too. Mm. Like when we're working with Venus, we're working with other people. This Libra moon, we're looking at our partnerships. Are we still passionate about these people? Are these people helping us get where we want to go? Are there power dynamics in our relationships that are longer useful to us? And so Saturn, totally. And so when they get to Saturn, which is going to happen sooner rather than later, honeys, that's when we really are going to have to like take responsibility for the relationships in our life and go like, okay, are we renewing or are we releasing? And then we have a square or a challenge to Uranus in Taurus. And I would initially look at that as how are you going to hold tight to your authenticity during all of this? Ooh. Because it can become easy to lose yourself in the process, particularly when you are passionate about something, you will at times start to really compromise you know, your role in something just to get it done. And here's Uranus being like, uh-uh. Like, is that really how you want to do it? Is that really what you're going to do? Just kind of burn off that piece of yourself just to like get ahead? Yeah. Like, what do you need to stay grounded in your authenticity through this process? Right. So the challenge of how you get it done is just as important as getting it done. I think that's really profound, babe. Really good for all of us to kind of consider. Yeah. Uh, It is definitely a chart full of squares. A lot of square energy. Uh, you know, and squares are challenges for sure, but they also compel us to take action. Yeah, you have a chart full of squares, don't you? I sure do. So what are the greatest lessons of that? Squares will make you so uncomfortable that you just have to get off your ass and move out of your comfort zone and live your soul's purpose. So so they're that. kind of so they're kind of a blessing, <laughs> right? Because right. they don't let you just sit on the couch and watch reality TV and eat crap because after a second or third episode, you are so restless because of all those squares that you have to do something. That's what my grand trine helps me do. Just sit on the couch all day? <laughs> well, I wish actually. I don't actually do that, but What's in, your grand trine? In my in? heart I do. <laughs> is it in is it in fire? Yes. Well, that's why. Yeah. A grand trine in fire isn't going to let you chill. But if you have a grand trine in water, honey, You can nap all day for the rest of your life. And so that's, again, you know, how we teach astrology is that just because a square is a challenging aspect doesn't make it bad. And just because a trine is an easy, gentle aspect doesn't necessarily make it good. It can make you lazy and flabby AF. Yeah, thanks. Okay, so (laughs) that was not personal. I'm leaving. Oh, okay. Well, if I can't stop you. (laughs) Please. All right, so... Uh, let's just, let's just stay with the, the square parade, shall we? Sure. We have the moon square Pluto. We have Mars and Venus squaring Uranus. And we have Saturn squaring the nodes. What a delight. So Saturn's at 20 degrees. The nodes are at 25. So we're going to give it, especially because they're approaching each other from both sides. The nodes move backwards. So the nodes are going to go 24, 23, 22, 21, and Saturn is moving forwards. They are going to be conjunct early April, so it's soon. So even though it's, you know, the very edge of the orb, the five-degree orb that I would give, because they are approaching each other, it feels really potent. And what we know about a T-square, so this is two squares, right? So we've got Saturn and Aquarius squaring the North Node in Taurus and the South Node in Scorpio. This creates a dynamic tension that turns into an invisible fourth leg here, which makes it into a grand cross, which is between 20 and 25 degrees of Leo. 
So all of the fixed signs super active this year, which means that we have to watch for people being even more firmly entrenched in beliefs. Fixed signs are stubborn AF. Have you ever gotten into a fight with an Aquarius, a Taurus, a Leo, or a Scorpio? Yeah, you're getting one every day. Hello. It's not (laughs) cute. It's not easy because there's a real fixed quality. But I think that where all of this tight energy wants to be expressed is in Leo. So it's in creative realms, playful realms. Leo really rules the heart, courage, bravery, authenticity. It's the sun, right? So we look to Leo and go, okay, it's sun and Aries. And so there's this sense of like, I have to be a leader. I have to initiate in my own way, in my own life. I have to be vulnerable and come out of the closet in whatever way, shape, or form is being asked of me because that will help me kind of mitigate this tension between Saturn and Aquarius, which is the work that we have to do as a collective, and that North Node in Taurus, which is where we're all trying to head to, a deeper relationship with the Earth, with our physical reality, and that South Node in Scorpio, which is that release of the shame and the hidden and the secrets and the toxic, which is what's happening. And I think we can all see that, like, in some ways, all of that Pluto energy is unveiling what we realize has to be released. And that's because Pluto is making a sextile to that south node in Scorpio. So Pluto is revealing the shame. Pluto is revealing the toxicity and the secrets and then kind of volleying it over to the south node in Scorpio and saying, would you please release this for all of us for good? I mean, I'm here for that. Yeah. And it's not all squares. Pluto's also making a trine to the North Node. So I think when we see it, that's the first step to healing it. You Mm. see it, Mm -hmm. you free it, you feel it, you heal it. Hey, say it one more time. You see it, you free it, you feel it, you heal it. Go now, sing it. You see it, you free it, you feel it, you heal it, it's yours. All right, there we go. Uh, whoo. Okay. So put that on a shirt. I, we are, we're going to put it on a candle (laughs) around mama Elsa. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of fixed sign energy, a lot of cardinal sign energy with the moon and Pluto, and then some mutable sign energy. Right. So here's where the tenor changes. And this is uh, with the planets in Pisces this year. So those planets in Pisces aren't really making a lot of aspects. Yeah, maybe Mercury is making a little sextile to Uranus. But for the most part, those those planets in Pisces are kind of sticking to themselves. Well, Neptune making a sextile to Pluto. Mm, yes, for sure. Just kind of holding strong within that five degree orb. How do you interpret yeah. that? Well, I think everything we were talking about with Pluto... You know, all of this deeper transformation and, you know, facing our own inner power dynamics and facing the power dynamics around. I mean, it just makes me hope that we can all look to it at a spiritual level as well. Right. Yeah. Um, Because that's obviously what gets lost in all of this. It's so fascinating to me how like religion and God played such a role in the basis of so much of what's at war within us these days, yet we don't really face that aspect of it. You know, it was all like deeply entrenched in like the strength and the beliefs of our faith. And now it's like not there because we don't have, well, most don't have faith in anything yet they're still fighting the same fight. Yeah. So, No, that's a really good strange. point, babe. It is so strange. 
It's like religion divorced from the core of what it's supposed to all be about. Yeah. But that's also the difference between religion and spirituality. Well, but the thing is, you know, a lot of these conflicts were built on like eliminating peoples who were deeply in touch with spirituality. Right. Who were deeply in touch with the fact that everything has a spirit, that we are all connected on some deeper core level. And then there was just like a fight against that because it was like, well, I don't see that. Therefore, yeah, you're dead to me. Or, or belong saw the power of it and religion came in like a Vipassana meditation cult and was like, you can't <laughs> practice those beliefs anymore. <laughs> exactly. Because we have to control the narrative. Right. Well, you're not going to control my narrative, Vipassana. Okay, I thought we left that behind. <laughs> you know Thank I love, you. You know I love a callback. I know. Uh, Leia Remini. Hey, oh, on a summer. <laughs> this season on Brendana Summer inside Vipassana. Oh my God. Here's the thing Brendana Summer could not be quiet for 10 days straight, let me tell you. Oh no. Please. They'd kick her out for just singing. You also weren't supposed to have any body adornments. That was also one of the rules no bodily adornments. So I was like, you couldn't even like so have your nails your painted. You yeah, no earrings. I don't know if I could do 10 days without my nails painted. Like, that's not a bodily adornment. That is That is part of my authentic being. So is that just because it creates a distraction? Maybe. And like you're supposed to not be thinking, but people are like, oh, I wonder what color that is. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Again, we'd be curious to draw you out in conversation, anybody. <laughs> that can help illuminate. How did you last 10 days without your nails painted? Seriously. You're not allowed to touch yourself. Well. Not allowed to do anything. 10 days of that. Not allowed to stretch. No physical activity. Because you're just supposed to confront yourself. No stretching? Without any distraction. You just confront yourself head on. Oh, I know what. I'll be confronting a bad knee. Yeah, seriously. All right. Last aspects we want to cover here. So we have Mercury and Jupiter conjunct, 17 and 18 degrees in Pisces. So that's something really beautiful. That is the voice of the spirit. Pisces, Mercury is poetic, it's musical, and it is connected to the great all that is. And it's connected to the... You guys, we've been trying to record this episode for much longer than it usually takes to record an episode because Noche has been so freaking restless this whole time. Just like can't sit still. Poor Angel's had to like pet him nonstop just to keep him from making noise. Look, he is an Aries moon with a Scorpio rising. All his shit's at play today. Well, and it's apparently squaring all my shit. And a Leo through and through. Girl, so he's like, why is nobody paying attention to me? Because we are trying to record an episode for all of the children, Noche. The children who love you. Meanwhile, I literally am like cradling his head while petting him. Yeah. <laughs> Leo. This is literally the energy of the chart for the year. <laughs> if you want to get anything done, you're going to have to stroke that small feisty animal within. So as I was saying, Mercury and Jupiter conjunct in Pisces. This is an expansion and enlargement of the spiritual voice, of the creative voice. Mercury in Pisces is poetry. It's song. It's connected to the great all that is. And answering to Jupiter in Pisces, it's wanting to use our voice and our mind to communicate deep spiritual truths, creativity, and imagination. If we want to have a bigger, better world, we have to be able to speak the vision of it. You have to look where you're going in order to go where you're going. So I think that's really helpful. And even when things are hard, we do have Jupiter right there 
you know, kind of cradling our mind the way Angel is cradling Noche's skull right now. <laughs> saying like, how do you want to grow? How can you expand this point of view, this perspective? Where have you been limited in your beliefs? Where have you been kind of hemmed in by these invisible walls? I'm going to show you how to grow beyond them. Yeah. Now, of course, we know that this can come with a converse effect, which is some grand illusion delusions of grandeur. It Mental was grandeur. A perfect illusion. illusion. I listened to Chromatica from start to finish on a hike yesterday, and I think that's like my second favorite Gaga album. What's your first favorite? Fame Monster. Oh, yeah, that's a really yeah, good Yeah, Fame one. Monster is a perfect record, even though it's only like seven or eight songs. Am I the only one it's that TV. loves art pop? I still no, love, I love art, art pop. pop. I mean, art pop's probably my third now. It was probably my second up to this point. But in listening to Chromatica, again, I was like, this is really good. Yeah. Anyhow, I mean, it's missing like kind of like one of those like power ballad moments, but you kind of don't need it. And you kind of get it in like dance form. Yeah. Like a Thousand Doves is kind of just like say, a yeah. power ballad. Yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> that's Mercury and Pisces for you. She's talking about one thing and then she's talking about something else. Exactly. Then we're rating Gaga albums for 10 minutes. Well, Gaga's an Aries. All right. We'll table this. We'll come back to okay, it. Okay. Fair enough. But I do think also, yeah, Jupiter is going to grow the good, the bad, the ugly, the gorgeous. And Mercury is our mind. So Jupiter can also grow anxiety can grow a distractedness. You know, Mercury in Pisces is beautiful depending on the landscape you're in, but it could also be, I mean, we could be having crazy dreams all year, perchance. Yeah, but I would say in order to really work with it, grow your spiritual practices and grow your creative practices. Whatever you can do for yourself that taps into your creative self and your spiritual self on a daily basis, that's going to help ground this energy for you so that you aren't necessarily using it to, you know, create crazy conspiracy theories unless you have really good evidence then we're here for it please come on the show we want to hear it (laughs) that's a cursory overview of the year ahead yeah just a little smidge of it but you know it's airy season y'all so it's when we kind of just like run headfirst into things Mm -hmm. that's when you cross the street without looking both ways so do your best to look both ways And the equinox, the equinox, as the Latins would pronounce it, you know, it's equal day, equal night. So there's a balancing that happens here. And you might find how things want to rebalance within you. It's been a hell of a winter or a hell of a summer for our Southern Hemisphere friends. So you want to kind of move out of that sort of fixed energy and allow yourself this initiation of what wants to be born from those experiences. Yes, get your cardinal on. Well, if anything pops up for you, please, you know, shoot us an email, hit us up in the DMs. Let us know your thoughts, your feelings around this chart. Certainly not a drink mimosas on the beach sort of year. Mm, No, but you could probably squeeze in a day or two. Just be aware it could just sprawl out into a week if you're not careful all right and now we have uh this episode's tarot card for you little message of divinity to tie it all up and before i pull the card the last thing i'll say is just to use the tarot cards to help us maybe understand this chart a little bit better is to think about the moon and libra as the high priestess and justice hanging out together i think that's really beautiful to kind of imagine the two of them 
hanging out, and there's a real confronting of consequences, a real intuitive understanding of what will come from the choices that we've made, and really reconciling that. And we can't go into anything blindly. Uh, you know, justice in the tarot is not blind. They see. And we see through our hearts with the high priestess. And so this does seem like a year where we can't hide from the truth and we can't hide from the consequences of our actions any longer. We are all complicit in how the world moves forwards. All right, so just take a moment and connect to the cards by listening into the sound of them being shuffled. And just trusting that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. And so the card that has been selected for us is the Tower. And it's direct. So it's interesting because I think that the chart for the year has a lot of tower energy, right? The tower is confrontational. It's when the veil is being ripped away and we see what's on the other side of things. The tower is a great liberator like Uranus wants to do for us. It liberates us from illusion and delusion and shows us the truth, shows us the better way. The tower can be a rocket ship that takes you to a better planet if you let it. But in order to take that ride, you have to release your comfortable but false prisons. And so that's what we're going to be looking at doing this year, but also just in these next couple weeks. Where are you needing the veil to be ripped away? Where has there been a whisper you've been ignoring that's now going to become a shout? Where can you participate in the process of your own liberation by walking away from things that you know are just not true for you? The tower says you have lived too long in the lie and I'm going to come in and usher you into a full felt truth. It's not easy, but it's gorgeous. And so I would just invite everybody listening to notice where is tower energy coming through for you? Think about these first couple weeks of Aries season as a little hologram for the rest of the year. What do you want to be liberated from this year? What truth do you want to live out in your life? And what prison are you ready to escape from? The tower will help you sneak through the bars and run free. All right, y'all. Buckle up. Here we go. Buckle up, babies. Um, thank you all so much for taking the time to listen to the show. Um, Please uh, feel free to uh, leave us a review. Give us a really fucking amazing rating because you love us so much. Thank you to those of you who have been leaving reviews. We've had a couple recently, um, which we posted on our social media. We're so grateful uh, when you take the time. Share us with your friends. Help us grow this network and this community as we try to bring Jupiter into the heart of the spiritual gaze and expand it out. We're getting ready to celebrate four years of this crazy podcast. No. I know. Holy shit. Um, but yeah, uh, if you want to learn everything uh, you can about us, you can do so at our website, thespiritualgaze.com. You'll find information or everything we do. We mentioned at the top, we do have our Spiritual Gaze uh, Cosmic Healing Retreat coming up. Yes, it's going to be some beautiful astrology. It'll be happening during the Venus-Jupiter conjunction. Yes. So this is going to be about healing and community and connection and the gorgeousness of Mother Nature. If you've never been to the high desert or even if you have, you know it's an incredibly spiritual and restorative place. And we're so excited to kind of hold your hand and make sure you don't get poked by any of the pokey things out there. Yes. Because the <laughs> desert can be sharp, but we will take very good care of you. 
and you can bring any crystals and Reiki and spiritual practices along with you. You can share them with the group. Yeah, so May 6th through 9th, we'll be doing that. You can find out all the information on our website under the retreat tab. Um, and make sure that you sign up for our Spiritual Gaze newsletter that goes out twice a month. You can do that um, on that main page of our Spiritual Gaze website. Yeah, you get teroscopes for the new moon and homoscopes. You don't have to be a homosexual to receive the homoscopes, just so you know. Very inclusive here. We're the Spiritual Gaze, but we are here for you allies as well. Everybody's got a little spiritual gaze in them somewhere. Yeah, they do. And uh, But you can also find us on uh, Instagram. It's The Spiritual Gaze. Twitter, it's Spiritual Gaze. We're on Facebook. We do all the things. Until next time, this has been your transit through the spiritual gaze.